0: Hello, welcome back to Reclaiming Our Canon. I am your host, Dr. Anika Prather. And let's just recap on our last episode. I took you right up into my graduate program, how I changed my research so that I was going to uh, look at the black classical tradition. I came in hoping to study performing arts Uh, somehow finding a way to include classics or classical education in that. But I realized that the more I taught classics, the more I studied it, the more I studied the Western canon, the more it captivated me and it just took over everything. And so I decided to just change uh, my entire research focus and focus on two parts, the Black, classical tradition and how I was teaching classics uh, in the school that my parents founded. And actually, there's a third part. And how I began to see that um, classical education or the reading of classics, the reading of the Western canon, could actually be a way to bring racial healing between us. It's our shared heritage. This is why this Whole podcast is called Say It With Me Wherever You Are in the Universe Reclaiming Our Canon. Let that word our wrap around you and hold you and hug you tight. Like I'm hugging you right now from where I am. Reclaiming our canon. I could not let the thought of classical education, the study of classics, the study of the Western canon go. So I followed my heart as the professor suggested, and I pressed on alone. I was very alone, but the books became my constant companion. Anna Julia Cooper, W.E.B. Du Bois, and Frederick Douglass especially, these were the guardians of my heart, I felt. There were times where people in my program, in my department would tell me, you're making a mistake. Why are you researching this? This is irrelevant. And I would be so distraught because I felt alone. But I would read something from them and my soul was nourished. Every time I read something from them, I felt stronger. I I felt that I was on the right path, even though it felt dark. It was an incredible feeling because on the one hand, you're alone, but there was an assurance that I must keep pressing on. I knew I was doing what was right. There was one more person who set my feet firmly on this path. She was kind of like, as they say, she put the nail in the coffin. Like, once I discovered her, there was no turning back. I want to thank my mom for introducing me to Marva Collins. My mom and dad and I are very close, okay? And I had been sharing with them how isolated I felt, how sometimes I was questioning if I was doing the right thing. And and I had a lot of, I wrestled daily with doubt as I dealt with the, the loneliness in my research journey. But one day my mom called me and was overflowing with excitement. Nika, turn on the TV. You've got to turn on the TV. There's a movie on about a lady who believed in teaching the great books to black kids in Chicago. I turned on the TV and there was Cicely Tyson playing Marva Collins. I will never forget seeing the little boy recite a passage from Socrates about being a citizen of the world. At that point, because Marva Collins at that time was not considered an ancestor, she was either still with us or had just passed away. I knew I was really not alone. The community was small, but here was a lady in my time period using these books to teach Black students. I wasn't alone. Finally, someone gets me. I found her book, Marva Collins Way. If you are an educator of Black students trying to bring the Black classical tradition or the classical tradition, you must get that book. It's called again, Marva Collins Way. She sealed my love. There was no turning back. Eventually, I decided to find a new advisor. By this time, after discovering all the different authors in the Black classical tradition, after finding the educator Myra Collins, at that point, I knew that whoever was supposedly supporting me was not really supporting me. And I had to find someone who would hold my hand through this journey. I had to find one who I felt at least would support my right to research this, even if they didn't necessarily find an interest in it. I am grateful to you, Dr. Hultgren, and Dr. Wiseman, for hearing my story, believing in me, and taking me by the hand. I am grateful to the handful of others who did the same. Without them, I would not have been able to move forward in my program. I had a new chair. I had a new advisor. I had a new focus. And I had a new current educator to look up to. I began to write ferociously. Every assignment was written to take me deeper into the history of classical education in the Black community and to create a mental database uh, that I'm always adding to of all of the Black literature that cites great books, classics, or any work of the canon. I discovered Raisin in the Sun referencing Prometheus Bound. I discovered that Huey P. Newton himself, co-founder of the Black Panther, taught himself to read by reading Plato's Republic, and after reading it, decided that he was going to free all Black people. I discovered that Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham jail is based on St. Thomas Aquinas. I learned that Henry David Thoreau, even though not included in the original canon, such as Mortimer Adler established, I considered him a part of that. He was an abolitionist willing to stay in jail instead of supporting a racist system. In learning about him, I discovered Martin Luther King's love for that text, Civil Disobedience. I discovered that schools before desegregation were committed to providing a primarily classical education to Black students and desegregation started the slow process of killing that. I learned that Frederick Douglass loved Cicero and first was introduced to classics when he bought the Colombian orator as a 12-year-old enslaved boy. I discovered that President Barack Obama formed his philosophical worldview by reading the thoughts of many of the great philosophers and thinkers like Nietzsche. And my most recent discovery has been that Toni Morrison, minored in classics at Howard University and Howard University is the first and only HBCU that had a classics department until it closed in 2021. Also see and see on this journey you began to see it everywhere you began to see it pop in everything you read. ta Coates in his In Between the World and Me he also cites Prometheus bound just like in Raising the Sun he makes a very powerful statement in that book. The black diaspora was not just our own world, but in so many ways, the Western world itself. I don't think he is saying it out of wanting to forget his heritage or relish the fact that he's denying himself or his his bloodline. I even feel similar to James Baldwin, there is a sense of hurt of sorrow, of regret that we don't have an African heritage that we can really hold to, and that to make our way in this world, we had to uh, connect with these texts to find our way here. I am still met with much resistance from both the Black community, and the white community with regards to this topic. But it is my hope that as I continue this journey of digging out the history of classical education in the Black community, and as I continue to nurture my love affair with classical studies, that I can show that the importance of reading these texts is that in them lies an even deeper understanding of the Black authors, leaders, and philosophers that we hold dear, they cited these texts and to ignore them is to dilute a deeper understanding of their written words and mentality. I think about James Baldwin, who reveals an interesting perspective on why he engaged with Western civilization. And he says, I brought to Shakespeare Bach and Rembrandt to the stones of Paris, to the Cathedral of Chartres, and to the Empire State Building. See, he goes everywhere. He's in the past, he's in New York City, he's everywhere. He says, I brought to them a special attitude. These words were not really my creations, they did not contain my history. I might search in them in vain forever for any reflection of myself. I was an interloper. This was not my heritage. At the same time, I had no other heritage which I could possibly hope to use. I had certainly been unfitted for the jungle or the tribe. I would have to appropriate these white centuries. I would have to make them mine. I would have to accept my special attitude, my special place in this scheme. Otherwise, I would have no place in any scheme. I believe this is a perfect time for a Selah moment. I want you to think about what James Baldwin has just said here as you listen to some original jazz from yours truly. We'll be right back. I yeah. yeah. Welcome back, and I hope you enjoyed that song. You had some time to just think through what I'm saying. James Baldwin is saying, "We, what other choice did we have? We, we had to appropriate these white centuries to try to figure out a way to recreate our own heritage, our own culture. In reading these texts, we connect with our ancestors who from the slave who created the Negro spirituals, based on the Bible, to Toni Morrison's Sula with references to Greek mythology, to Colson Whitehead's Underground Railroad. These texts are foundational to almost every book we as a Black community love and honor. We often refer to Sankofa and a Dinkra symbol from Ghana, meaning go back and get it. When people refer to this, they often refer to going back to Africa to reclaim our African heritage. But we cannot skip over the early time where our people were seeking to gain their education here in America. So we need to go back and get that too. That can't be forgotten. To me, Kofa includes me going back to get what the ancestors held during and after enslavement. So to truly know the meanings of what I guess we can call the canon of African-American literature, or the canon of Black civilization, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, we must read the texts our ancestors relied on to liberate their minds from the chains of slavery, oppression, and white supremacy. When we do this, as Virginia Hamilton says in her book, The People Could Fly, we will soar, we will fly. When those magic words are sprinkled upon us as they were sprinkled on Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King and Anna Julia Cooper, we will fly. These books highlight the humanness held in common with every man. And just like how in the book, the enslaved people had to believe the words, in order to fly to freedom, we too have to grasp the words found in the pages that our ancestors held dear. In the story, the people could fly as the enslaved people were weighted down by the whip in the field. And the old enslaved man came to each of them whispering, and they heard that magic word sprinkled into their soul and they soared high above the clouds. As I sprinkle the wisdom of Socrates and Aristotle and Augustine on my students and on you, may we all fly. May we all fly to freedom. Our ancestors wrote about how the words of classic texts help them to fly. And thus, I believe they can help us fly even in these contemporary times. Ernest Morrell says, the raising of critical consciousness in people who have been oppressed is a first step in helping them to obtain critical literacy, and ultimately liberation from oppressive ideologies. Who would have thought that reading these books of the white centuries, as James Baldwin calls them, would be the very thing to help liberate Black people as they emerged from slavery and oppression? These books are a part of our story. It cannot be denied. To not read them, we fail to read what our ancestors read. And this leads to a lack of full understanding of what they wrote. To not read these books, we sort of skip over a time period in our journey on the timeline of Black history. To not read them, we go back to Africa to reclaim our African heritage. But then moving forward, we skip over that time period where we were establishing our literacy after enslavement. Kept literacy from us. We fought for literacy, and the cannon was our greatest weapon. This harrowing story needs to be known and embraced in its fullness. It is our story, it is a part of our story. But the beautiful thing about it, it's not just my story, it reveals our shared heritage to each other. We all have found ourselves at this cannon in some way or another. And it has done something in the lives of our ancestors and in ourselves. What would happen if we shared that with each other? It sometimes seems like it might be the only thing we have in common in these troubling times. It is this understanding that held my love strong for the text when it seemed everyone was against me. This understanding held fast my love when I had to find a new advisor and committee who would stand with me. This understanding held fast my love during the difficult journey to founding a school where we freely study these texts, and it still continues now in its seventh year. This understanding held my love strong when it felt like no matter how much I yelled to the top of my lungs, these books are indeed relevant to Black people. And it seemed as if no one heard me. It was the ancestors that read these books, taught these books, wrote about these books, and held dialogue with these books that kept my love for them strong. And no matter what obstacles may come to me that seek to squelch this love, my love for them, no matter what you think of me, will never die. That is my story. A lot of that was featured on an article that I shared on the Classical Learning Test blog, but I thought to kick off Reclaiming Our Canon, I would share it with you in three parts for you to kind of think on and meditate on and understand my heart. I am so looking forward to this adventure here at Reclaiming Our Canon with you. As we continue to uncover the Black classical tradition, as we uncover more and more how other ethnic groups have found themselves here, I'm even looking forward to unpacking the story of America. That seems to be very controversial these days for a Black woman who claims to love herself to also say she loves her country. But I do. James Baldwin says, I love it so much that I feel I have the right to challenge it sometimes. We're going to look at the founding documents. We're gonna look at the mind and belief of the founding fathers in those early years when America was becoming a country. We're gonna look at how oftentimes black people rooted in the in the Western canon were connecting with those who were working to establish this new country called America, we are going on a journey that's going to take us all over the world and through so many different time periods as we explore how all of us and all of our ancestors have found themselves in the canon. Thank you so much for joining me this time. I am Dr. Anika Prather, your host at Reclaiming Our Canon. See you next time.